your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. I'm Mike Hebert, owner of Cantex Roofing and Construction. Every day is game day, and we'll get it right when it comes to your roofing, construction, windows, and mirrors. Call Cantex Roofing and Construction today. Together, we are one serving you. It didn't exactly uh, go swimmingly at the start for uh, Max Scherzer yesterday, but turned out okay. Rangers will play the Marlins uh, tonight at home in Arlington. We'll have it for you with our coverage beginning exactly 12 hours from now at 6.30 and then play-by-play at 7.05. I, I, have a, um, I have a confession to make about yesterday. And uh, this, this, you know, I, I've told you before that me getting jokes and things like that, sometimes it, it takes me a little while to uh, to understand it and, and get it right. Um, and I knew that Max Scherzer was starting yesterday. And um, <clears throat> somebody texted in yesterday morning, happy Scherz day. And I was like, oh, what does that, what does that mean? And then I heard you guys talking about it on the end of the bench and i went and the little light bulb clicked off in my brain went oh oh that's what that guy meant because max scherzer was pitching today and happy happy Thursday. yeah so it sounds like thursday but it's thursday thursday yeah mm-hmm. like again i you know we we sometimes you know poke fun and make fun of ourselves and you know i just wanted to i felt like i owed you that admission because I ignored that text yesterday because I was like, oh, what's, "What does that mean?" And I, I don't, I don't feel like you owed me. Okay, but or I mean, Jeff, I, I just maybe was, you owed the texter. Yeah, maybe so. But I mean, I just wanted you to know that I, I didn't get it, and then later on I got it. Okay, so better late than never. I, I, fig, I figured it mm-hmm. out. Uh, so Max Scherzer, what did you think of his uh, pitching performance? Struck out nine over six innings. He threw uh, 37 pitches in a three-run first, but then uh, the Rangers bailed him out. They won uh, five to throw three, and they uh, swept the White Sox. Uh, but uh, Scherzer uh, didn't have the, the best of starts. Bruce Bochy saying he couldn't have had worse luck there early. Every ball they hit found holes, but it just goes to show you how tough he is and what a great competitor he is. Lobbed a lot of pitches that first inning, but regrouped and reset. Yeah, two bloopers, and then a... Uh... A ground ball that just just absolutely split two defenders that wasn't hit super hard. So I, I think he definitely did have some bad luck in the in the first inning. But being the pro that he is, he just kind of moved on past that and then hung five zeros after that. So I, I don't know that I I would say um, usually when you hear of a team's offense bailing them out, they got shelled. I mean, he gave up six, uh, three runs and six innings of work. I wouldn't say he was bailed out by the offense. I would, I, I would say that. It, I mean, if he went out there and threw three runs and six innings, you'd say, eh, pretty good start." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, it just so happened that he had that b- bad luck early on, but he was terrific after that. Really, pretty much dominated. There wasn't a lot of action on the base pads after that. Yeah. Innings. He, he had a couple of walks early in that first inning. Yeah, um, those were key. And then, but then, like you said, he he settled in, ended up, um, you know, striking out striking out nine, and uh, the Rangers won five to three. Coupled that with the the loss by the Astros, um, Rangers now lead by a game and a half so heading the Ra- into the weekend. Yeah, Rangers did announce yesterday that it would be 
Martin Perez. We talked about this yesterday, mm-hmm. moving to the bullpen, and I'm very intrigued to see how this is going to work. But man, I don't know what else, what other option you have because if you're the Rangers, because I I just don't know that you have. <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't know how you move Haney or. Um, uh, Dane Dunning out of the rotation at this point as yeah. as well as they're throwing they just that just wouldn't be the right thing to do and both for them and for the team and so I think it's probably um, pretty pretty smart with what they're doing I just wonder what kind of a role we're going to see how often we're going to see Martin Perez and and who knows I mean and what what's the what's the status going to be of uh, Nate Valdi. Yeah, no, that, that that would change things a little bit, but yeah, that, that you're absolutely right. But he's moving to the bullpen now before before Evaldi's even back. Mm-hmm. So that would if when Evaldi comes back, does that make? I would think it makes you think. Okay, well that means that somebody else has to go to the bullpen at some point. So, not not that you're a uh, that somebody else right? Not that you're a, a medical expert or, but I mean you've been you've been around baseball an awful lot and you, you're around. You know the tech pitchers an awful lot, and you've, you've got exposure to certain things. <clears throat> when a pitcher gets forearm tightness, is that how does that equate to the to the rest of the arm, or is that a is that a a function of something else going wrong in the arm? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that, Chuck. Okay. I'm sorry. No, that's um, okay. Um, I think forearm tightness. You could probably see some guys be out significant amounts of time. And then I think you could see other guys um, be out a short period of time. It seems like the Rangers seem confident that he'll be back soon. Um, but, man, I, I just, I don't know. You know, it, they it, also, the fact that they also went and made that second trade for another starter makes you wonder a little sure bit. Sure does, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Makes you wonder. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, they, are they as confident as they, they're letting on that Valdi will be back and healthy? Yeah, so it, in in when you watch when you watch pitchers pitch, um, you don't really kind of think about the violent action that they that they do with their arm. Mm, sure is. And but when you watch it slowed down, or you see like still pictures, and you see arm angles, or you see just the wickedness of what they what they do to their arms, it. it you understand why there's injuries, right? Mm-hmm. But man, it's sure it it's it's like anything else. These guys that do this and do this at a high level, they they make it look easy until until you kind of start slowing it down or breaking it down a little bit, and then you go, man, that's just it's amazing what they're able what they're able to do and the 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 force, the velocity, the everything that uh, that comes down to it. And it's not just the it's not just the pitchers. It's it's all of them. But but obviously with the pitchers. I mean, your your right or your left arm, man, is obviously very critical uh, with with what's going on. So anyway, just just thought that's uh, thought that's amazing. So uh, six thirty eight this morning here on the morning drive. Thoughts, comments, Yates Flooring Center chat line. Go to double t ninety seven dot com. Uh, Sonia writes in from uh, Runaway Bay. Good morning, gentlemen. Sonia here. Not looking forward to another weekend of not getting to things we like need to do because of heat and air quality might as well be walking on the sun go rangers wow sonia man sweetheart have a drink you know <laughs> it's been hot out there no doubt there has been a hot hot summer i mean 
I was, man, on the court last night at seven o'clock for a couple hours, and mm-hmm. about the first hour and a half ish, it just felt like I was in a sauna. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Until no, it got a little bit dark. No doubt. It was, it was ninety-seven at seven o'clock. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just, yeah. it's crazy. It is. I mean, it's just, it's just yeah. crazy. Uh, and I think today's another, another hot one too. So. Uh, be be looking for be looking for that. So, we'll um, we'll talk more uh, Red Raider football. Uh, I've got just copious notes on uh, on the individuals going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, including uh, Zach Thomas and Demarcus Ware. That I w- I'm, I have every intent of sharing with you at some point in time today. I'm gonna try to get I'm try to get to some of these uh, because there's just so many so many cool stories. Um, the football last night was. It was not. It was. It was good at times. There were some plays that were pretty cool. Uh, there's a ton of penalties, man. There was a. There was a ton of penalties last night. Um, just including one. On one play, there were two penalties. There was a five-yard illegal procedure, but at the end of and they let the they let the play finish, but at the end of the play, which was a completed pass, there was a late hit out of bounds. Okay. And the referee, the white hat, comes on and says, "By and I didn't know this. Maybe I just never seen a five-yard penalty coupled with a late hit. He said, by rule, the five-yard penalty is negated. The 15-yard penalty is enforced from the, and from, the, from the line of scrimmage and an automatic first down. Mm-hmm. But the illegal procedure was first. Yeah. The illegal procedure was first, but the 15-yard penalty was the one that was enforced and uh he did a great job of explaining it uh, but man there were a ton of flags thrown last night the morning drive podcast from double t 97.3 is presented by cantex roofing and construction time for this day in sports history today is august the 4th 2023 here is jeff mcguire with this day in sports history Going to start in 1936 because american athlete jesse owens wins his second gold medal at the berlin olympics Beats German Lutz Long in the long jump final with an Olympic record. Mm. 1941, Brooklyn Dodgers catcher Mickey Owens becomes the first major league player to take three foul pop-ups in one inning. This was an 11-6 win over the New York Giants. He caught them, right? Yeah. Okay. Three pop-ups, he caught all three of them. Impressive. Yeah, it is impressive. It's a hard thing to do. I mean, it, a catcher. Yes, that glove is not made for catching pop-ups, especially in especially in that yeah. era. And the wind, and I mean, it, that's and that's that's not an easy thing to do. Catchers make it look easy. Nineteen fifty-three, New York Yankees hurler Vic Rashi sets a major league record by for a pitcher by driving in seven runs in a fifteen to nothing. Win over the Detroit Tigers. 1973. New York Yankee pitcher Lindy McDaniel puts in one of the best relief stints in Major League Baseball history. Hmm. Entering in the second inning, he allows only one run in 13 innings in a 3-2 win versus the Tigers. I'm guessing he'll be unavailable tomorrow. That would be a pretty good assumption. (laughs) Right. 1984, we were talking about this guy yesterday. 
American athlete Carl Lewis wins the 100 meter in 9.9 seconds in Los Angeles. It's his first of nine Olympic gold medals over three games. Which is 12 years. Yes. Yeah. I mean, what's impressive is, is he was able to, four years later and then four yeah. years later, right. still be in gold medal contention in track, which is basically a young man's game. Mm-hmm. 1985, Tom Seaver of the Chicago White Sox becomes the 17th pitcher to win 300 Major League Baseball games in his career, beating New York 4-1 to in front of 54,032 at Yankee Stadium. Hmm. 1993, Tony Gwynn gets six hits in an 11-10 win over the Giants. It's the fourth time this season that the Padre had five or more hits in a game. And ties a Major League Baseball That's record. That's crazy. That is crazy. Love it. 2007, 32-year-old Alex Rodriguez becomes the youngest player in Major League Baseball history to hit his 500th home run, connecting on the first pitch he sees as the Yankees beat the Kansas City Royals 16-8. Do you think if he hadn't done everything to his body that he did and gotten himself suspended, do you think he would have threatened Aaron or Bonds? No. Because I think everything he did to his body helped him get to where he got. I know, but you just said he was the youngest to get to 500. It's amazing what steroids can do. It's a good question. I I don't know if his career ended up being cut short or anything like that, besides the fact that he obviously was suspended. Um... Arod was big. I mean, he was big as a 18 year old kid uh, when he got drafted. Oh, man, I I think he had the potential um, to do some to hit a lot of home runs, right? Even mm-hmm. if he hadn't sure. used steroids, mm-hmm. but to get to that mark, probably not. Probably not. So I guess I'll I'll agree with Jeff a little <laughs> bit, but at the same time say. I mean, he was just, just looked like that was a guy that was going to hit a lot of home runs if he could have stayed healthy and stayed unsuspended. You almost wonder if he used the steroids to help him recover from an injury more so than to help him be a more prolific hitter. Mm, I don't. Uh, I would say a combination of both. I'm sure he used it for both. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny, just like the... The whole Bonds thing. I mean, Bonds going to steroids was all about ego, you know, because he was jealous of McGuire and Sosa Sosa getting all the attention and all that. And doesn't that sound exactly like Alex Rodriguez? Yeah. You know, funny you should mention Barry Bonds, because on this day in 2007 as well. I bet he hit a home run. He did. This one off of Clay Hensley in the second inning in a 3-2 to loss to San Diego. Why is this home run important? Is it 7.15? Nope. It's 7.55. Hank Aaron for the all-time oh, okay. all-time lead. Wow. That's crazy. That was 19... You saw two, 2000? 2007. Okay, so... Rodriguez six, gets 500 and Bonds gets 7.55 on the same day. Wow, that's crazy. Ooh, I didn't remember that. Happy National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day. Oh, man, I'm a big fan. I got three birthdays to mention, and I think that they go up in scale each one. 
Today, happy birthday, former Red Raider baseball player, Jamadric Magruder is 32. Tomorrow, happy birthday, Gerald Myers turns 87. Wow. And then on Sunday, in the 806, on 806, happy birthday, Texas Tech football coach, Joey McGuire, turning 52. Wow, he just, like, he outchucked you right there. What do you mean he outchucked me? I mean, on 806 went, in oh, the, the oh, 806. Yeah, 806 on the 806, I mean, you've yeah. been outchucked. I've been out, I got outchucked. Jeff yeah. just totally outchucked you. Mm-hmm. With the dates and everything, you know. It's always had, a compliment when you can outchuck Chuck. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't take much. Would yeah, I mean, to out Chuck Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> and on this day in 1944. Wow, that was impressive. That was good. Acting on a tip from an informer. Nazi Gestapo agents capture 15-year-old Jewish diarist Anne Frank and her family in a sealed-off mm. area in an Amsterdam warehouse. And that is this day in sports history. It's what she gets for having two first names. Uh, 6.52 this morning here on the morning drive take your thoughts comments yates flooring center chat line go to double dot com for that or the mobile app something that irritated me last night from the uh, hall of fame game uh, a member of the new york jets and he had a fantastic night last night greg zerline is now kicking for the jets i mean the cowboys do not have an established kicker and here's zerline i mean he's just knocking them through and uh it makes me wonder. It's like, you know, the Cowboys make a mistake there and letting Greg Zerline get away from him. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, he's uh, he's now a member of the. But he's not the first kicker to get let go of no, no, one no. team, and no. then because he's struggling, and then all of a sudden he finds it. Somewhere I don't know else. that he was really sh- struggling for the Cowboys. I think. I think part of it was the money they were paying or maybe the money that he wanted and maybe they felt like his leg was getting a little bit older but he had a he had a 54 yarder last night a 44 yarder last night and a 53 yarder last night mm-hmm. and that's going to help you win ball games without sure. without question I mean cuz the the offense stalled I mean again they didn't have Aaron Rodgers uh playing last night he was on the on the sideline but you know Zach Wilson was 3 of 5 65 yards he looked he looked pretty good he had one pass that looked that was uh, that was really good, you know. For the fifty-seven uh, yarder, I believe. Yeah, for for uh, Cleveland, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson. I mean, again, he's playing against guys that probably aren't going to be members of the Jets here in a couple of weeks. Uh, but he was he looked impressive. He looked very athletic. He's small. He's the UCLA quarterback, eight of eleven, eighty-two yards, and did throw a touchdown. Also threw a block that it led to a touchdown mm-hmm. as well. So. Um, Thought he looked uh, pretty good. The other thing, and and Chris Collinsworth pointed this out last night on the broadcast that I thought was interesting. And then once he once he pointed this out, I was like, oh yeah, you're you're exactly right. He he talked about how in in that particular game, and he doesn't do very many uh, preseason games. He just does the the Hall of Fame game. He said he he watches the fourth quarter. He goes because that's when he goes it the, it is like game on because every one of those guys is fighting for their life. They're fighting for reps. They're fighting for film. And I mean, it is it is football like you don't usually see because I mean they're they are hitting hard, hitting late, you know, just knocking the snot out of each other. Um, 
in an exhibition game because these are guys that are <clears throat> trying to either make a roster or show themselves to the next team that might need somebody, mm-hmm. whether it's special teams or sure. tackling or yep. running hard or just putting out effort. And he was right. <clears throat> and the fourth quarter was entertaining from that standpoint, just watching the, the violence of the game unfold in front of you. All right, just before 7, we'll talk tech football next and hear from the head football coach, Joey McGuire, on Lubbock Sports Station, Double T 97.3. Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. With uh, Jamie Lent and Jeff McGuire, I'm Chuck Hines. Thank you for being with us. Uh, somebody says this off the... Uh, Yates Warning Center chat line. Don't forget the main quote. Chuck also said Bradford's giving back more to Texas Tech means winning a conference championship. Yeah, I believe he didn't. I, he said it. Yeah, I, I believe I, I believe I said that. Um, but uh, I thought that was, like I said, I thought that was pretty cool. All right, uh, one of the things that we talked about uh, yesterday, and I think we've talked about this several different times, is expectations. You know, and and how does that <laughs> how does that get managed? You know from just his team or, or him or fan base. And Coach McGuire asked, uh, how do the expectations of the fan base motivate him? Our fans, like when people ask me what I surprise, I'm surprised the most, is really our passion and our fan base. I mean, it, it, it uh, I'm a very driven person, but they definitely uh, add fuel to the fire. Um, and I, I remind our players, uh, they'll hear it today. Um, if we play with the same passion that our fan base cheers for us and, and gets and has our back on social media and everything like that, then we're going to be a very passionate team. And, and so, um, I just, I love being around the Red Raiders and, you know, they, I always say yes to any time I can get in front of, uh, Texas Tech fans and alumni to be able to, you know, um, I take a lot of pride in wearing this logo and, and being in front of those, those uh, fans, and so really excited to to get this year started, and so they can see what we're going to look like. He uh, goes on to to be asked about um, does he feel if his team is the or the hunters or the uh, or the hunted? Well, we're not the Big Twelve champs, and so that's what we're hunting. You know, so I don't look at it any different. Now, I understand that we have higher expectations. So when we're talking about expectations, um, I embrace them. I love it. I would rather be in that room than the other room to where we're expected to win versus no expectations expectations at all. And hey, we get lucky and hope and all this stuff. We're not into that, and we we love the expectations of being a good football team and it's my job to um, temper that or make sure that we take it one week at a time and don't get ahead of ourselves Um, but I I really the one thing that's easy to talk about is you know when people say well now maybe you're the hunted you know the hunted is K-State the hunted is TCU they're the Big 12 two Big 12 teams that played last year they're the teams that played in the Sugar Bowl. They're the teams that played in the Final Four. And so those are the guys that probably everybody's looking at. Um, they should be. Uh, other than that, that's just honestly media hype that so-and-so is voting so-and-so, the the you know so-called champion. The game's played on the field, and those are the guys that got to play at the end of the year. And so I think those are the guys that you really have got to look at, of, especially with as much talent as both those teams have coming back. I thought it was uh, interesting 
for a guy that is uh, as excitable as he is and as a guy that fans the flames as much as he does, which which I appreciate, um, the fact that he said my job is to temper expectations, I think, with his team and to and to make sure that they're managing things on a, on a week-to-week basis. And he made it clear uh, later on in, in that press conference that the game that he has circled right now is Wyoming and that the countdown is on Wyoming. Yeah, I think it was a good bit of deflection there from Coach McGuire. I think he's absolutely accurate in everything he says and the fact that uh, TCU and Kansas State are the ones that um, you know, we're in the conference championship game and all the above, and so you expect that they would be uh, the teams that everybody would be gunning for. But I, I don't, I don't think that. Um, uh, I, I think that teams are probably looking at Texas and Oklahoma because of their big name, because they're leaving the conference, um, and and I feel like it's probably not nearly as much with the Red Raiders, despite the fact that their teams in the conference feel like, hey, the Red Raiders are going to be pretty good this year. I just don't know that you're like circling the Red Raiders right now, okay? Mm-hmm. And you may even say, yeah, that's a team that's going to finish in the top four, top five in the Big 12 Conference. But I just don't see teams circling that game. I think they're looking at the teams that played in the conference championship game. I think they're looking at the big names. I think they're looking at these two schools that everybody wants to beat before they leave the conference. He... Uh... He also said that you know he has to find a way to manage uh, expectations and that they'll do it week to week and try not to let the pressure be too much for his team so it becomes overwhelming. Well, hopefully that pressure stays. Yeah. Right, because that means you're still winning and you're, right. you're, you're playing for something. I mean, if you're eliminated from the possibility of getting to a bowl game, there's no pressure. Right. Well, and the other thing he's, he made it clear, he said the last thing that they are going to do as a team before they leave that building every day he said, is to laugh, to alleviate pressure. And he said that so jokes they, jokes are already planned. Okay, so we got a comedian waiting at the door. Yeah. And, I like that. And so he said he said there'll there'll be there'll be jokes on uh assistant have coaches like, and things like that. Oh, I was thinking maybe they'd play them clips from the morning drive. Could. I mean could. I mean The thing mm-hmm. is that the things that they would think funny are when we're being serious. <laughs> Boy, nothing <laughs> Nothing would would please me more if if uh, it, whether it was us or uh, the bottom line or end of the bench or sure. or tech talk any, any any of our fine shows were were used as an example of either what a, not to do what not to do as a as a means of alleviating pressure you know or a, mm-hmm. or a joke or or things like that you know even if it's. Well, Even if are. it's something disparagingly, I mean, I, I think just to be included in the mm. in the game would be would be fun. Sure, sure. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I think comedians. I think of you and I, <laughs> Jeff too. Mm-hmm. Um, he 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 was asked about you know the Oklahoma and the Texas thing about you know twenty twenty four being uh, having an opportunity to to be a leader in the Big Twelve. You know from a you know, football standpoint. And he, he said, he said, everybody has an opportunity to be a leader in the big 12. He, he said, I don't want to wait until 2024. He said, I don't want to wait. I don't want the opportunity to pass. He said, he's, he's thought about that a lot, you know, about, you know, an opportunity to kind of be the leader, you know, and be a team that um, becomes the, the, he didn't say the power broker, so to speak, but, you know, essentially that's what he meant, you know, 
because you think of the Big 12 in some aspects, whether they deserve it or not, you know, the two headline names have been Oklahoma and Texas. Sure. You know, but anyway, so it would just be something that would be uh, that they want to work on now and not wait until um, – 2024 on that. Uh, Bullfighter says this. I'll pass out the long list of Chuckisms. Okay. Okay. That's good stuff. That'll, okay. that'll help. Okay. That would sure anything along anything along those lines would be would be helpful. If uh, I, if if he did if he did mention that uh, that would be I'd be I don't know that we would ever know that though. I don't know we'd ever we would ever know them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steven says this with regard to uh, Coach McGuire. He brought back some of that fire in me. I think he has that ability to do that. And, and I think I and I, I think that's one of the reasons he's a good coach. He can definitely yeah. motivate people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's uh, I think it's natural too. I think it just comes it just comes naturally to him. It doesn't it doesn't seem forced or or fake or I think it just when when he says. If they, if I'm asked to speak in front of a group, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak in front of a group of Red Raiders or a front group of fans. I mean, the guy has been virtually everywhere this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can't literally look up and not see Joy McGuire. I mean, he's gonna, he's gonna speak at the Red Raider Club luncheon, obviously, because he's the head football coach. And the next day, he's gonna be back in the same room speaking to the United Way kickoff luncheon. And there'll be people that'll be at both events. And he'll probably say something different or probably say a lot of the same things to both groups and get a standing ovation from people that are at both events um, that are just like ready to run through a wall. And, uh, you know, the mere fact that you're you're less than 150 tickets away from selling out your season ticket base. I don't know when the last time that happened. I understand that the south end of the stadium is not available, but that was where you had a lot of students and they're going to have to figure out a place to put those guys I think Joey McGuire could go into those luncheons and um, pull out a harmonica mm-hmm. and get a star ma- starting a standing ovation afterwards. Yeah. I don't think it's really about his speech. I yeah. think it's about the fact that he's got this fan base excited with what the football team's been able to do so far mm-hmm. and what the potential is. Mm-hmm. I mean, his speech is, I mean, uh, clearly he's a great motivator and mm-hmm. he's a, you know, in the locker room, you've seen some of those videos, and they're intense and they're phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I feel like the standing ovation is about what he's doing with the football program, <laughs> probably so. not a, because of his, you know, oh, this public speaking tour <laughs> that he's on. Oh, probably a combination of both. He's really yeah, good at both. Pretty good at both. Mm-hmm. Pretty good at both. Jamie's mm-hmm. question of the day is next your thoughts your comments yates flooring center chat line your expectations as well hit us up on the double t97.3 mobile app presented by happy state bank this is the morning drive podcast from double t97.3 presented by cantex roofing and construction time now for jamie's question of the day on lubbock sports station double t97.3 all right guys we've spent a lot of time talking about Position groups that we're super confident in, that mm-hmm. we feel like is loaded this upcoming year. Mm-hmm. I want you to tell me the position group that you're the most worried about for the Red Raiders this upcoming year. Okay. Um, I, I think, well, it's, well, you have uh, some strength there. I'm concerned about the depth at running back. Um, I think. You know, past Taj Brooks and Cameron Valdez, you're pretty young. And so 
you know, last year you had Brooks and you had Sir Roderick Thompson and you had Cameron Valdez. And when one of those guys got dinged up, obviously Valdez did, and then Sir Roderick did for a little bit, um, there was somebody to kind of step in and fill the gap. There's, there's really not that third person, per se, that you know tried and true is going to step in and fill that gap. So that running back would be my concern there. Did we know that about Valdez before last year? No, but I feel like... We have Bryson Donnell that I feel like has about the same level of experience as Cameron Valdez a year ago. Okay, but I mean, I guess I I looked at it from the standpoint that you had, you know, 1A, 1B with Sir Roderick and Taj Brooks. Yeah, no question. And so I don't necessarily feel that Cameron Valdez is equal to Sir Roderick and that that combination is not equal to last year's combination going Mm -hmm. into the year. Fair. Offensive line. And I can hear a thousand times from the coaching staff and players and uh, fan bases and recruiting sites and everything else that this is going to be a strength of this team until we see it on the field against an actual opponent. I'm going to be worried about it. And as good as Wyoming is, I, we, I won't know until Oregon, until after the Oregon game. And depending on how it goes against Oregon, then you're looking at waiting until Baylor and U of H and in West Virginia and Big 12 play to find out if you've got strength strength there or if you've got another disappointing offensive line. I think it's fair just as a Red Raider fan over the last few years it's obviously been a, the struggle has been real with the offensive line and so you until you see something you know, much improved. You're you're just wondering. You know, give it you'll give it hope. You say you have hope. You'll you'll give it a chance and all that. But man, I, I guess I'm I'm with you, Jeff. I'm going different with you guys though. Um, I'm going linebacking core. I just feel like you've lost a bunch of great linebackers over the last few years, and I'm just not sure who the next really good one is. Um, number two on my list would probably be kicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, I'm going linebackers. I feel like linebackers, linebacking uh, is really important, and um, just because those are the those are the guys that make all the plays at the line, of, you know, near the line of scrimmage. It's a lot of times it's not the defensive linemen. Those guys are soaking up blockers and letting the linebackers do their job, and you need those guys to be good. And I just don't know who the next. Uh, that next guy is who's going to step up and become really, really good for the Red Raiders. Yes. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that I think that's all fair um, because you there's some things you're wanting to improve on 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 defense and and get to and and um, and you're seem to seem to be a little a little thinner there uh, maybe that you that that you would like to be. Um, they they did kind of talk about that just a little bit yesterday. Um, but they do feel like, I think coach DeRuiter feels like that, um, well, that they lost a lot in terms of just, um, experience or age that, but that the, the talent coming up, the younger guys behind the Josiah Pierre's and, and, uh, a data race that they could be, um, more than adequate of, of taking care of the, of the job, but they're going to have to go out and prove that. So that speaks to exactly what you're what you're saying. So I think they feel like they're they're in position, okay, um, but that's something that they're going to have to prove, just like just like the offensive line. 
um, that's kind of worried about our kicker only because we haven't seen him kick, and the Red Raider kicker won games for this team last year. That from Juan, yeah, yeah, that that's that's perfectly fair. Uh, somebody else said this: most worried about the kicker. He hasn't done it at this level with the pressure on. I mean, Gino Garcia has been a part of the team, but you know he was beaten out. Yeah, didn't win the job last year. Yeah, right. and. I read uh, last night, um, Austin McNamara, your your punter, is still, um, he's working on kickoffs. So he could be your kickoff guy and could be your, and probably will be your holder on field goals. So now the question is, can he throw a pass out of that? <laughs> it's not the question. Yeah, it's my question. <laughs> no. Can he stand up and throw a pass? The question out of is, will, you know, he return to the Austin McNamara of two years ago or mm-hmm. will he be who he was last year? That's the question. Yeah. Now, we didn't get to hear from the special teams coach yesterday. And I, I think, I think if, if memory serves me correct, they, about halfway through the season, they stopped messing with him and, and let him just go back to booming the ball instead of maybe trying to, work too much on placement of the ball. Kind of go back to his, his strength of, hey, just kick the damn thing as far as you can. Right? Yeah, I feel like that was kind of an excuse, but whatever. Okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> that was them sticking up for their guy. Sure, so sure. I, I mean, they're, I doing, get it. they're, they're doing what they're mm-hmm. doing, what they're, what they're supposed to do. Um, 737 this morning here on the morning drive. Uh, one thing that we feel really good about is the quarterback position, right? And uh, Zach Hitley was asked about uh, Baron Morton and if he had any concerns about him coming in if, if needed to be uh, with regard to Tyler Shuck. And he said that Baron has made one of the biggest jumps uh, of, at quarterback that he's seen. He said he called him very raw last year and said, uh, we're seeing flashes of being an elite quarterback and that it's it was night and day between the fall of 22 and the spring of 23. Okay. Night and day. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said he's, uh, his comfortability in the pocket has increased. Uh, he's uh, understanding the speed of the game and that he has full confidence in Baron Morton. Now, of course, you would expect him to say, Full confidence, right? You'd expect him to say that. But um, I thought it was interesting that he said very raw last year. He called it, called him very raw in terms of his first times to, to work with him. And then you know, the flashes of being an elite quarterback uh, and then the, the aspect of being a night and day between last fall and, and the spring. So that, that's good news because I think we saw some pretty good play out of Baron Morton uh, when he was healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, very good play. I mean, we saw some inconsistencies sure. that you expect out of an inexperienced mm-hmm. quarterback too. But mm-hmm. I, I thought he, sh- you know, showed terrific talent. I'm excited for him. Uh, Going back to Austin real quick about the beginning of last year and how they were kind of messing with him a little bit. I did ask him about that and if, if that was kind of how he felt and and hear his his reply to that absolutely i mean i, I didn't you're right i didn't have the best start of the season as i wanted to um you know i think i did everything i can i could in the off season just sometimes it just doesn't work out you know uh for certain certain amount of punts or amount of games certain seasons no matter what it is so um i, I definitely went through you know a little bit of adversity and um which it was i think it was great for me looking back on it just because i feel like i haven't really had that much of adversity to where i just didn't feel like myself for those those couple of games and so that really helped me kind of get back to myself and 
and um, you know kind of get back to what I need to do and help this team and um, that's obviously my ultimate goal so um, but no coach McGuire has been great coach Perry coach Gugu have done a great job supporting me and um, you know not everyone has good games some people have bad structures it just kind of happens in sports and in life so I kind of learned how to deal with that uh, with their help and 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 um, you know and it's been it's been great and hopefully gonna have a good season this year be consistent this year that's my goal so that's the plan that's the plan okay there we go I, I love it you know that's that's he seemed kind of uh, excited to talk to you he was excited to talk to a lot of people you know I think he's uh, he, I met him for the first time this uh, when we went to uh, the legacy uh, de- event with the uh, alumni association and he was he was uh, not what I thought I was going to meet you know just 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 in the casual real quick I mean, he was very engaging, very personable, very kind of excitable. Um, so it was, it was full of energy. Are you saying that a Joey McGuire player is a reflection of their coach? No. Mm-hmm. I imagine there's a lot of guys that have gotten to come out of their shell a little bit yeah. since their head coach is so boisterous. The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Five punts, 49-yard average for skates, and here he goes. Puts his foot into it. This one, a wobbler towards the right side of the field. Welker takes it at the 11. He's going to try to get to the right sideline, breaks a tackle. He's got running room at the 30, the 35-40. He's the midfield, the 45-40. He may go. Man, I sure hope we have some uh, plays like that coming up here that uh, Brian Jensen's going to call for us on Double T 97.3 as we get you ready for Texas Tech football season. Today's the first day of practice as the Red Raiders, <clears throat> about an hour from now, will take the practice field over at uh, Jones Stadium and the football training facility. Well, Jones Stadium, they'll have to dodge, they'll have to dodge cranes. Uh, by the way, I learned something the other day about that crane. Uh, with Jamie Lent and Jeff McGuire, I'm Chuck Hines. We come to you from the First United Bank studio. Uh, I learned, I was told, that the crane doesn't just crawl up the side of the stadium, you know, the, the ramp and get out, that they actually disassemble the crane and then another crane takes that crane out. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So, mm-hmm. uh, so in, in, as, in, 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 in actuality, we were right. The crane is too big to get out of the stadium by itself. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna give it, <clears throat> give us a little pat on the back for that. <laughs> now we you. know why Chuck has a shoulder injury. It's feeling better, uh, but yeah, it's still my arm's still just a little, a little wonky. Uh, Raiders dad says, "Thanks, Jeff. That never gets old. No, it does not. Does not. Uh, does not get old." There's a reason. It is in the. Hall of Fame highlights folder. What else do you have in that little folder? Tied at 38, three seconds to go, 62-yard try. Garibay has his foot into it. It may be long enough. It is good! It is good! It is good! Jonathan Garibay has won the game with a 62-yard field goal! Oh, my God! Can you believe that? Woo! Yeah, baby! Good stuff. Let me let me ask you this: is is that a play that, on on one hand, has sparked this resurgence because that, that made you bowl eligible? Okay, 
and put you in a position to play in the Liberty Bowl against Mississippi State and take down Mike Leach and his team. And then, and also, it it just kind of sparked everything kind of going forward. And, I mean, it could be like the play that has this sparked this renaissance for Texas Tech football. And obviously the hiring of Coach McGuire had lit that kind of campfire. But that that kick and that win over Iowa State, you know, made you bowl eligible for a team that you did not expect to be bowl eligible after you fired Matt Wells. And, you know, since since that point in time, man, it's just been all systems go. Yeah, I think you can make the argument. Um I just think it's okay. I'll give you five percent that ninety-five percent Joey McGuire. I I think it's been about the hiring of Joey McGuire, not that play. I think even if you didn't make a bowl game that year, mm-hmm. it was going to be all systems go after you hired Joey McGuire. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I mean, I I do think the the fact that you were able to kind of you know get have success on the on the actual field of play and then go slay the dragon so to speak in Mike Leach and Mississippi State and I mean you're beating your chest pretty hard uh after that and then you got coach McGuire and what he did with the recruits that he brought in almost from the beginning and and the base that he was able to build with his coaching staff and everything that took place because of when you hired him and you got ahead of everything I I think it's more than five percent I don't think it's I don't think it's over fifty, but I, I think it's I think it's thirty five forty percent. So you're saying we wouldn't be where we are today without that win? Oh, now when you put it like that, because I would disagree with that. Okay, I would think I, we would have the same. I would just trend in the same, you know, positive vibes, the same excitement with mm-hmm. this fan base. We'd be in the same position as far as. Um, you know, being a top potential for being one of the top four or five teams in the Big 12 conference this year, all the above without that one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this I think, uh, I think your football team was probably poised. I think there was some talent left over from the Wells administration that, that the McGuire era has gotten to take advantage of, and then what he has added to it, obviously. And then his the way that he has been able to coach that team up and motivate that team and mold that team. But I, I think from a fan base standpoint of not having to okay, well we'll wait and see. We'll we'll hear what you got to say, but you know, we're coming off of another year where we didn't make a bowl game. We finished five and seven and you know, you know, we're still thinking about two thousand and eight and two thousand and nine. I I I, th- I really think that game ignited the fan base and and it definitely ex- did accelerated your your enthusiasm and your performance from a from a ticket standpoint and a believability standpoint more so than what it's being given credit for. Okay, we'll agree to Did, disagree. Okay. I, I I feel like in any emergence or reemergence of something, uh, there's a point outside of it that you can mark as this is when it started. I think that kick is that moment. It's independent of the resurgence with, with Joey McGuire. Okay, so but it what what happened first? Oh, the kick. Well, you got you hired Joey McGuire first. Okay, 
Would the kick have happened without the hiring of Joey McGuire? Yeah, well, not without the firing of Matt Wells, but yes, it would have happened. Without the hiring of Joey McGuire. Without, without the hiring of Joey McGuire at that point, yes. You're saying the kick, the still, kick would have still happened ha- without still would yeah, happen. yes. you didn't you didn't have momentum in your program after a few weeks of McGuire being on sta- on staff and well, feeling good he, about things. Yeah, I think you felt good about things, but I think basically what we heard and 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 I don't know how much of this. I is, mean, Sonny Cumbie had a ton to do with that. Absolutely, he, he did basically the same thing in a short time mm-hmm. as far as that. What Coach Wells has built so much bigger. Yeah, uh, or excuse me, Coach Wells. Coach McGuire, McGuire has done so much mm-hmm. bigger. Um, I think this from the Yates Warren Center chat line is true. That kick let us hope again. That, fair, yeah. I, I don't disagree. Yeah. I, I just, I'm not the guy that like a bull win carries you to big wins the next year. And why am I not that guy? Because Bec- you saw it too many times. Where it because too many times you mm-hmm. win a bowl game and, and play poor the next year. Yeah. What made you great the next year and what's brought you momentum to this point is what you've done since then. Yeah. I mean, we've seen plenty of teams play terrible in a bowl game and be great the next year. We've seen plenty of teams be really good in, in a bowl game and be terrible the next year. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's what you do that mm-hmm. next year that matters. It's not the bowl game. Now, did it get the fan base excited? Yes, absolutely. Was that a super fun night at the Liberty Bowl watching the Red Raiders beat Leach and an SEC team? Absolutely. Uh, all the above. But, uh, if, again, if that had happened, you had beat them, and then we came back last year and we're 5-7, and seven, mm-hmm. would we be talking about that? No. It was what you did on the field last year. It was what Joey McGuire's built with this program that's got this fan base and this football team program rolling. Uh, this, it definitely gave a good stepping stone and give credit to Cumbie, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely I, agree I, with all that. I, I just, it, it's, a, it's a genesis of the, of the, along with the McGuire hiring, of the resurgence, the resumption of what we hope will be a great run for the indefinite time for tech football. This has been the Morning Drive podcast presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Check out our library of Double T 97.3 podcasts at double T 97.3.com.